All good? Everybody okay? Man, are you thankful that you are here to be able to gather and just uh, unite your heart with other people and uh, enjoy God, enjoy who He is, hey? Isn't that amazing? We can actually still do it today. You know, I don't know how long we have, to be honest with you, um, because there's just so many things that are going against the tide uh, that used to be, and um, God is calling each and every one of us to experience him individually, to experience him in such a way that we are able continuously to encourage one another to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, he says, you know, that's where we get our strength from, from him. Not from our own personal abilities, from our past experiences that we've had, you know, going back and seeing all our accomplishments and we look and we say, well, we got strength to move on. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere because as we know, life changes. Life is dynamic. It's not static. It just keeps changes. You change. The people change around you. Every time you wake up, it's a new day, isn't it? So over time, we need to know exactly where we need to be placed and where we need to experience him so we can dispense him or give him out to the people around us so that they can see who he is through us. You know that they can't see Jesus apart from you. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know who God is. God has been smudged so much <laughs> He's been tainted by religion so much that people don't know him. So they need to see the God in you. They need to experience God in you. They need to know him. And you will be the only letter. You will be the only movie. You will be the, you know, just the only person to be able to express him to others. I mean, are you willing to take that responsibility though? Are you willing to commit to something that I've just told you right now? Yes, you've got it inside of you. Yes, you possess. Yes, you've got all of those things. But are you willing to commit to what you have so that you can experience it and express it in your everyday life? Hey, that's what God is calling us. And you know, if you look at um, um, you know, the, the, the commission that Jesus gave us, he said, go out into the whole world and make disciples. Each and every one of you needs to be a disciple in your own world. Your own world, your own family. The people that, you know, you come into contact with. That's what we need to be able to disciple. And we do it mostly, not so much by our words, but by our lifestyle. Our lifestyle speaks louder, obviously, than our words. You know, I heard someone say that you're, you, you know, when, when you are, um, if, if you have measles, you know, that's what you're going to be contagious with, no matter how much you're saying with your words that you've got some other disease. You can be preaching some other disease, but if you have Measles, that's what you're going to give out. Hey? 
So people need to see what we have and they're going to become contagious with that. And they're going to want what we are experiencing in our own hearts between ourselves and God. There is a statement that you always hear, the number one statement in communi- whenever you do communication is the following, that your non-verbal communication is always louder than your verbal. And you know how much louder they say it is? 99%. That's loud. <laughs> so, you know, we need to take ourselves very seriously about our own personal life. When we said to, to Jesus that we are giving our life to him, you know, I don't know to what degree we express that. To what degree we, gave, we make that commitment. Because the commitment has to be, I give you all of my life because you gave all of your life for me. And I'm willing to die to be able to experience you, to experience your love. You know, years ago I was reading, um, it's very intriguing for me. Abram is a very intriguing character. And um, I was noticing the relationship between Abraham and God. And I noticed that every time that God wanted Abraham to do something, notice, for his benefit, he would ask him to go beyond his own personal capacity, beyond his own ability. And why God would ask him to do that, it's because it would enlarge his heart so that God can express himself more through him. Did you notice when he invited, um, especially at the time when, when, when they were doing the covenant, he invited him and made a connection with him, obviously through blood, like we just, it was saying now. And then he asked him to go and do something impossible. And that was to sacrifice his son. But hold on a second, you gave me the son. This is a promised son. Now you're asking me to sacrifice the son. He wanted his heart to be expand, to expand more and more beyond his own ability. So the sacrifice that God was asking him to do was for his benefit. Because we saw it right at the end, there was always provision there. And by the way, the word for Jehovah Jireh comes out on, on that specific passage there, which means God will see and the provision will be there when you get there. So God is inviting us continuously to be able to open our hearts more and more and more so that he can work himself through us. That's why the, I think Jim Richards has wrote the book, I remember it's called Taking the Limits of God, which means I need to keep removing my own personal limitations that I have about myself 
about my environment. Why? So that God can express himself through me. You see, the more I hold limitations within myself, the more I limit God. Because God lives in me. He doesn't live out there somewhere. You know, he lives within you. So he wants continuously every day to keep expressing, and it's, it's love. Basically, it's just love. That's what it is. Expressing his love through you to other people. What is love? Is to keep showing the value. The value that other people have. Because they've been created in his image and his likeness. And that's what we're there for. That's why we hear God left us in this world. If it was just for ourselves to get a little blessing, guess what? You get born again and you're out of here. But he left us specifically so we can keep on blessing others. And by doing that, they're going to see and experience his life. They're going to feel his heart. And once they start feeling his heart, they will begin to see that he is not just what we say is good. Man, they'll know he's good. They'll experience his good. So we continuously want to get to that place where it goes beyond anything other than experiencing the goodness of God. Hey? Paul says to Timothy, actually in the book of Revelations, let me just read it there quickly. Someone was having coffee, I can see. Caught you out. <laughs> um, in the book of Revelations, I know we're talking about intimacy. I'll, I'll get there. I don't know why I deviated. Maybe someone needs to hear this. Um, someone help me out. I forgot. Where does it say about the spirit of prophecy? Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Who remembers that? Come on, Google it. Find it. <laughs> now that's an important scripture because I'm going to get into Timothy. Sorry, I had I had that on. on. Sorry. Oh, thank you. 19 and verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. The testimony. Hey, testimony. You know what a testimony is? When you see something, you witness it and you tell someone else, that's the testimony. The testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Man, you know who Jesus is, what he has done, he says, let me tell you something, that is prophecy. Do you know that even when Paul was speaking to Timothy, 
in in first timothy it, it tells him listen i want you to keep fanning yourself because of the prophecies that you have received now i battle with it because i used to think it's just you know personal prophecies that people used to get well it's that prophecy that he's talking about it is the fourth telling of what is going to happen in your life when you are embracing the testimony of who Jesus is. <laughs> so every time, thank you, every time you want to experience a prophecy, which is a foretelling, you have to embrace what? Who you are in Jesus, what you have in him. And that becomes the prophetic voice for what you're going to experience. So prophecy for each and every one of us, because we all are in Jesus, is to experience continuously our identity and our strength, our, the grace and the power that we have in him. And how it's going to keep unfolding in our personal lives. Because remember, I have died. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So the life that I now live is the prophetic life of Jesus. And he be, has become a manifestation of this life. Now this is important. It's so important that it enters into what we've been talking about in First Peter. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar, one of the expressions that is unique people. Why unique? Why are we so unique? Because we die to ourselves. That's why we were unique. We live in expressing someone else. Nobody does that. That's what's so unique about us. You know, there's two beautiful books in the Old Testament. One is the book of Ruth that talks about this intimacy that we have with God and how we were delivered. Actually, you should, you should go back and read that book and read it from the message just to understand the story. But then there is another book called the book of Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Very interesting, both of those books. Because it gives you an allegorical picture of a relationship and an intimacy between two people who are so deeply in love. They've opened their hearts because they've trusted in what they, they saw in one another. Now, the book of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon is, a, is again, it's a very, very interesting book. Actually, I went back and I looked at the, the entire history of, of that book to get a proper background, just to understand who the Shulamite woman was. 
and what did Solomon see in her? And uh, we found out that she, the Shulamite woman, those are the two protagonists, the main characters, in other words, in, in that book. It's Solomon and the Shulamite woman. She was from a tribe of Ephraim. And what had happened is Solomon used to give out land. He owned a lot of land and he used to give out land and he would select people to go out and, you know, a family or whatever, and to look after that, that land. And they would live off the land. They would almost like rent it because it was the king's. But they were able to, um, you know, to, to feed themselves and they were able to take care of themselves. But this family that the Shulamite woman had, there were, there were four siblings. There were two brothers. There were half-brothers, by the way, because the father had passed away. And there were two sisters. And she was, she was the last one. It's interesting, the word Shulamite means in feminine Solomon. The feminine name of Solomon. And um, so the brothers, because they were half brothers, they despised their, their, because remember the first son at, um, at a Jewish family had to take the inheritance that was given to him plus another portion of the inheritance so that he could look after the, the he could look after his sisters but he despised that because he was a half brother you know he didn't want to do that and the shulamite woman was always had that sense that she was never accepted she wasn't worthy because i mean even my family you know, that's supposed to look after me, they despise me for my existence. They wished I wouldn't exist, you know, so they don't have to spend their money on me. And one day when she was at a specific point in the farm and it was um, at an apple tree, there comes the shepherd. And the shepherd was actually Solomon. He used to disguise himself and go just simply around. You know, like those, um, uh, the, the, the movies, not the movies, you know, those uh, things that we see where, where the CEO goes into, into, um, into the businesses and to find out, you know, they disguise themselves. That's what exactly Solomon used to do. So he would disguise himself to go see how they're taking care, obviously, of the land. So he pitches up there like a... Um, like um, a shepherd and he looks and the minute he looked at it, he just picked up something in his heart and his heart became fixed on her it became fixed. he just saw something and 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 it reflected that this is the woman for me now remember he's got a a harem back there of about uh, you know, 700 uh, women and 300 concubines. Now, when you go into, um, into the history, Solomon was not actually a pervert. He, what he was doing, he was signing 
um, with a lot of the nations around him and a lot of the tribes. And the only way to keep himself in peace, and that's how he did it, was to marry women and the daughters of those kings so that they would not come at it and attack him. So, but the problem was he didn't put his, his trust in the Lord. He was putting his trust in his own way of wisdom of how to keep himself protected in peace. And God told him, whatever you do, don't go to Egypt. What did he do? He went and he married Pharaoh's daughter. And, and for each one, he had to build a proper, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like the kings of, <laughs> in Zululand. One house can't be less than the other because there's going to be fighting, you know. So every house needed to be a castle and a palace. That's a lot of money, a lot of taxes for you and me to pay so that, you know, he would be able to, to keep himself in peace. But anyway, so as he saw the, the Shulamite woman, his heart it became locked in. It was just fixed and says, I see value in this person, number one. Number two, I see something that I don't see in anybody else because it connects only with me. And from this point on, my heart is for you. He saw it and he said to himself, my heart is for you. He spoke to the Shulamite woman and specifically what happened is... You know, the apple tree, because they had, you know, in the in Middle East, they've got pomegranate trees and they've got apple trees. Do you know that if you faint, I don't know about the apples today, because they mostly are genetically modified. But in those days, okay, if you wanted to bring someone back into consciousness, you would cut an apple in half, you would put it under their nostrils, and, and as they smelled it, they, they came back into consciousness. And the apple tree that you know, that, that they connected under always because she used to faint every time of love, sick of love, every time she would think of him. Yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff. So, you know, I'm telling the story and it seems like a mythology to me, you know. Does this happen today? <laughs> But anyway, so why the, I mean, the book was written in such a way that for us to be able to understand the feelings that God has for us, that because it gives you the feelings that he has for Israel, the feelings that he has for the church, but the feeling that he has for you as an individual. His heart is set on you as an individual. And once you know that that love will never change, it's, it's immovable. Then it depends entirely on you to be able to protect what you felt. Yeah, it's up to you to protect what you felt from him. You know, I mean, you felt it. It, it, it went from one to ten. 
Hey? You felt it. One to ten. It was ten out of ten what you felt. But then afterwards when he left, it was up to you to protect that. Because the brothers came and immediately they started undermining what she felt. Do you think this shepherd, some shepherd is going to come for you? Do you think you're valuable enough? That's what the world is telling you. Do you really think that he loves you? Everything was undermining, notice, what she felt. It took a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer, a couple of months longer, and the king beckoned for her to come to the palace. The shepherd was the king. All that time period, and that's where that little verse comes from, the little foxes were eating your vine, your confidence. The little foxes were the doubts within you. The little foxes were the words of other people. Has he really made that promise? Does he really feel the same at the time that we met and we connected? Is he really for me or can his heart turn against me? See, that becomes your solid foundation, your roots to be able to experience continuously his love. Remember, he is the source of all things. My heart has to become steadfast in him. God from his side, his side says, you are chosen. My heart is for you. How will you respond and how will you protect it? What are the things that you're going to do? I've given you tools. I've given you studying my word, worshiping me. All of these things to keep yourself connected to the love that I have for you. That initial connection that we had. This is what a fee, I mean, um, Revelation, the book of Ephesus, that's what they had lost. He says, you're doing everything fine, but you lost your first love. He says, you're mechanical. You're doing things. But unfortunately, the ethos that we had that created the substance of who we are has left. Go back and remind yourself of your first love. 
go back and reconnect to who I am, to you. Go back and keep experiencing me despite of what is happening around us. God is calling us continuously to a life beyond what we can imagine. Because after here, it's a beautiful journey that we're going to into eternity with him. Knowing him more and more and more. Because that's what life is. John 17, 3 tells us. Is to know him. To experience him. Life is not experiencing things that we are doing right now. Life is experiencing him. And remember, whatever we do in this life. I believe. We'll be able to enjoy it in the millennium. And also in eternity. Those are the fruits that we are going to have. So where is your investment? Where are you putting your efforts? Where are you putting your time? That's the question each one needs to ask our hearts. Where am I putting my time? Am I putting it to reconnect with him? To experience him. Do I really believe in my heart that him as he is, is, he's the only life. Do I really believe that in my heart? Or do I believe other things are also life and he just happens to be an addendum? Is he the real contract? Who is he to you today? And again, this is not to make you feel uncomfortable or to make you feel guilty of anything. No, it's just, look, he's the source. I'm the person who's supposed to be connected to him. Where am I? Where am I with him in this journey? We know that God is good and only good. We know that he loves us, he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. So from his side, he will not let go, ever. Because he's true to himself, he's true to his word, he's true to his names, and they never change. So it's up to me to connect to him. Up to me to connect to him. Thank you, Lord. Just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hearts here today. I sense in my heart that they are ready to commit to you. They are ready to open their hearts and their lives. They've come to a point where they've realized that you are the only solution. They want to protect you, you Lord in their hearts. If that is you this morning, just 
keep embracing him and just lift your heart to him just tell him lord you are the only source you are the only life everything that i experience that i think is life it's a compromise it's a compromise i'm willing to let it go i'm connecting the dots that the things that i think is life is what's bringing destruction to my life chaos my heart is open to you lord it cries out to you wants to experience you more and more you've created me that way thank you lord thank you for each and every person here lord let them experience this uniqueness of who you are it's between their heart and your heart lord thank you jesus Your Solomon king is calling you continuously. He's crying out to you. The words that he spoke to you are reverberating continuously to your heart. He's asking you come. Come to me. Remember who I am to you. Remember our love. Remember the words are spoken over you. I am your true lover. I am your husband. I'm the one that takes care of you. Please trust my heart. Connect to me. connect to me refresh that love that we have make it real again in your heart don't allow other people to make you despise it as though it is untrue that it's not real it is real It is real. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord heavenly Father, I thank you for the message of the mystery of the romance that we have with you. Thank you. I pray that each and every heart will keep it alive. They will remember it. It'll be a secret of that emotional connection that they have to you. And in times where they get into difficult situations and circumstances, they will always remember that connection. That connection will be the refreshment 
It'll be those words. It'll bring life to them. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you.